We're going to start a new series, which we're calling Practical Holiness. And there's a reason for that, because I think this very often we think of holiness as something for holy people. You know, and we think of holy as being sort of like someone who sits on the end of a stick and meditates for 10 years, or it's somebody who moves around us without actually their feet sort of moving. They just hover, um, and, you know, Lord does something special for them. They're kind of, we're all special, but they're kind of especially special. And so we want to look at holiness, but we want to look at it in a practical way. One of the things I think we should try and do, and I hope that I do, and the other guys who speak, um, is that we, we always give a, a how-to as part of what we're talking about. And holiness is one of those things. It can be a bit nebulous. It's one of those things we, we throw about, and we talk about in different ways, or we talk about God being holy, or somebody else is holy, or that thing is holy. But we don't actually kind of define it in a way. We don't actually look at it, and so it's hard to achieve something that you can't define or you have difficulty defining. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes we throw Christian words around as well, you know, which nobody understands apart from a few theologians. Nobody really gets hold of it, and we actually need to break it down. Now, certainly for me, it's a words of one syllable. The next few weeks, in fact, the next couple of months, we're going to be talking about different aspects of holiness. And some of those things... I, I, I think some of those things may make some of us a little bit on edge. We'll be talking about some things that, you know, our personal holiness, how God sees us, how we relate to the world, and the things that are happening in the world that some areas we don't go into, but maybe we need to know a little bit more about. Areas in our private lives. We won't be getting people up here doing all sorts of uh, confessions about what they've been up to or anything like that. But we will talk about them from time to time. And this talk is kind of like an introduction to the whole series. But we want it to be something where the people of God are getting closer to him, where we're, we're relevant to what's going on in the world. So we have to talk about the things that are going on. I promise you we will not speak about President Trump. We will not talk about Brexit. We might do those at a later date. Depends what's happening. We're talking about holiness and how it relates to the world. I'll give you an example. Earlier this week, Jules and I went to a lunch that we go, we go up to Orchard Park and we sit with the rest of the church leaders that are up there. There's only, there's only two of us that don't wear dog collars. Um, so it's quite funny. And uh, we, we just have a, a quick lunch together, have a chat about things that are going on, and we get on fine. And right at the end of it, we were asked uh, by, I think it was Paul, the, the, the Methodist minister, all tell us about a present you got for Christmas. So we started with him. He was sitting next to me and went round the table. I think there were eight of us there. And um, there was quite a pause, actually. We were discussing the 21 pairs of socks that the vicar had got. And I thought, not much of my, no. And then we were waiting. Then he said to me, what did, what did you get? And I got a few presents, you know, the usual things and everything. But I said, I thought, well, I'll, I'll be me. And I said, uh, well, I actually got a book <clears throat> which charted the last 30 years of the Marvel Comics superheroes. And there was like a stunned silence. Well, we don't expect that from a church, church leader kind of thing. And to me, it kind of showed it was sort of being a little bit religious. And so why not? Why don't I get a book about 
well, you might, I think, well, <laughs> um, why not? You know, fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. Anyway, I won't go describing that, but it was interesting because I think some of them weren't expecting that from someone who's holy. So the conclusion is you're not holy. You're not dedicated to God. You're, it's frivolous, you know? And I think sometimes we can get that kind of idea. And I want to sort of blow those things a little bit out, out of the water in preparation for some of the other things we want to say. We know the verse of 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that we might be thoroughly equipped. And that's what we want to do here. We just don't, we want to worship the Lord, but part of our worship is to consider the things that are going on in the world, to consider the things that are happening in our lives and the ways in which we can come closer to the Lord, the ways in which we can serve him. And so we take what we take from the scriptures. There's nothing here that is not in the scriptures. There's nothing that's going to be preached about that is not in the scriptures that cannot be applied to the world. Jesus was very practical. Jesus would end things to say things like, go and do thou likewise, or go and do the same thing, or whatever it is in modern English. Or he would say, tell a story and give people a practical way of doing things by telling the story and say, this is how this happened. You can do the same. Which one was the neighbour? You know, well, go and be that. So that's what we want, and particularly in holiness. The Bible talks a lot about holiness. In the Old Testament, it talks a lot about the Lord being holy. It talks a lot about, it talks about holy places and holy things. In the New Testament, it switches. We still have a holy God, but we have things which are... We're talking more about people. We're talking about the Holy Spirit in us and people who are holy and dedicated to the Lord. Right. Just a, a quick Greek lesson. We all know what a Greek scholar I am. And um, the Greek word for holy is hagios. And the word hagios, oh sorry, yeah, the word hagios, the root of it is basically being different, being unlike, it's, some, it's otherness than the normal. And using the, if you like, the religious context, in a Christian context, it's more in terms of uh, like being different like God is different. Okay? It's not like being set apart, though we are in one sense. But holiness is not about being separate. It's about being different and set apart for being different, but not separated off from the world. Does that make sense? We're still in the world, but not of the world. But someone else is preaching on that at a later date. And, but interestingly, as the church grew in the first century, a, a church building was, was called the Hagios because it was a sacred building. They couldn't kick the habit of places being sacred of being holy. And Barclay gives some examples, William Barclay, about that. But it's different from the world, 
And as a consequence, this, the other side of that is, it's like the Lord. All right? So think of that. Holiness is being like the Lord. It's being different. All right? The main thing is it's different. It's not how the world does things. It's how God does things. Now you might think, and we will briefly touch on it, that we talked a long time about the kingdom of God. Did you know that when we did the first series on the kingdom of God, we went on 18 months and we still hadn't finished? There were so many aspects to it, but the basic thing was it's a topsy-turvy world, the kingdom of God. Everything is the opposite to what the world thinks and how the world operates. Right, when God was creating the earth, Genesis 2, 3, it tells us that then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, the word rested there is not that he was having a bit of a kip because he was worn out. It was because he stopped. What does it mean? When I rest my case, I stop. That's the end, you know? So he using rested in the term of he stopped. And they said, God blessed it and made it holy. Why? Because it was different to the other days. The other days he'd been working his socks off, creating everything. And then he stopped. And he set that day apart. And he said, this day is going to be different. This day is going to be different for you guys. I want you to keep it different, holy, so that you can have a rest and you can concentrate on me. Now, again, New Testament, slightly different connotation, but it's the same principle that it was a different day from the rest of creation, and that day is holy, holy being different, being a day set apart particularly to worship the Lord. You see, we can use the idea of being set apart to be separate so that we don't engage with the world. So you get things like the Pharisees, who were prime movers in this kind of thing, um, where they say, oh, well, no, we can't help people with that money because it's set apart for the Lord. You know, we're, you know that, that money we kind of our parents or somebody who's in, 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 in dire need of money, it's holy, that money. You can't touch it. Equally, I've heard people say, well, you shouldn't use lottery money. Now, we use lottery money for cap, as you know. I have no problem at all. I would take the same line exactly as, um, oh, what's his name, the founder of the uh, Salvation Army? William Booth. William Booth said, give me, holy money, uh, give me dirty money and I'll make it holy. And I agree. It's going to go to someone. Okay, if someone came and said, we've got money from people trafficking and we'd love to give it to the church, that's a different thing. But the lottery money is there. It's going to be given out. I'd rather it was given to us and we can do something good with it. We can turn it holy. We can use it differently. Yeah? That makes sense? Turn it, turn it to holy use. Okay. So, we're moving on a bit. And Moses has given the law to the people. And he says this. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly. Note entire assembly, not just the ones who are keen or the ones who are, you know, have a propensity to be holy or even the ones who are a bit super spiritual, hmm? okay? The ones who think, well, 
I've done my bit. I've worshipped the Lord. Don't need to show it in my life other than just wandering around making people feel guilty. He didn't say that. He said everyone. No matter what your disposition, no matter how you feel about it, I want you all to be holy. So that's from the person who's the most practical, able to apply things, doesn't feel particularly spiritual. I feel more spiritual in the morning and the afternoons, basically. I feel positively pagan in the evenings. But I'm still holy. And I'm not being pompous or anything like that. I'm not being holier than thou. There's a lot more people I'm sure who are holier than me here. But I'm holy because I'm the Lord's. Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. All right? Now, a lot of people find that at first sight quite difficult. It's then repeated repeated in the New Testament. Actually, God says, Be holy as I'm holy in the Old Testament several times, particularly, I think it's four or five times in Leviticus. 1 Peter 1. Uh, and verses 13 to 16. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Grace is something, remember that, we'll come back to that shortly. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, before you became a Christian, but as he who called you is holy, so... Be holy in all you do, for it is written, and we've just read it, be holy because I am holy. So we're thinking, well, this is going to be difficult. It's a bit like those verses um, in, in Matthew 5, where, or the verse in uh, Matthew 5, 48, be perfect, therefore, as your holy, heavenly Father is perfect. And so many people get themselves wound up. Can I achieve perfection? I remember some teaching that we had or we saw or we sort of worried us when we were kids. Because I got saved the same night as Han, so 46 years. Amazing. Yeah, we were both saved age two. <laughs> yeah. I just had a thought, actually. My grandson, Mikey, was 14 on, uh, the, uh, on the 31st of, uh, of December. And I met Han when I was 14. Scary. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> Could be one of your daughters. Anyway, let's carry on. <laughs> anyway, he's not saying, not, Peter isn't saying, and the Lord isn't saying in Leviticus, or Moses isn't saying, you've got to reach the same standard as God, because we know. That's impossible. You can't be perfect. I wouldn't even aim for perfection, personally. Because that's just going to be a frustration. That's just going to be like, who made some New Year resolutions? Go on, you did. It's in there, some of you. Okay. Anyone willing to admit they've already broken them? Okay, we won't embarrass you. Let me just put that one down. But you know what I mean? We, we can, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to keep that diet perfectly. And being an all or nothing person, as I know some of you might be, I tend to make something. And then when I've broken it, oh, that's it. You know, sort of half a cream cake. You know, whatever. There's a different way. We can't be perfect. 
So that scripture sounds a bit weird. But what he's saying is, listen, you're my people. He was saying to the Jews in the Old Testament. He's talking to the Christians in the New Testament. And he's saying, because you're my people, be like me. Be like me. I'm holy. You guys be holy. Now, I'm not expecting perfection, but I'm expecting an improvement over time. I'm holy. You guys be holy. And whilst it's a command, it's also, particularly in the New Testament, it's now part of our very nature. So in a way, he's saying, ditch the old stuff, get rid of the old man, and you start being free in being like me, in being different to what you were before, in being different to how the world is. Yeah? You got that? So the key to being holy is, first of all, ditching the old ways, forgetting the temptation to go back and do things the way the world does it. There's a man who takes his dog for a walk in the same place I take my dog for a walk. I haven't mentioned Archie yet. He'll get mentioned later on, actually. Um, but, you know, it was only the first day of the day back. Um, but Archie and me, we go for a walk. Now, Archie has a propensity to go and chase after the ball that some other dog has been uh, thrown. And he usually wins, gets the ball, and then trying to get him back and get the ball back is almost impossible. I carry another ball and sort of, Archie, here's your ball, come on. Then he'll drop the other one and run back and rush and get the ball. I'm very terribly sorry. Give the ball back. There is a man that is particularly upset by this. <coughs> and he walks in the opposite direction to us and often at the same time. I must admit... The last time he did this, he, I couldn't work out whether he was being, let's say, grumpy with Archie or with me. But he was muttering and then he starts yelling after, after the dog because he doesn't take any notice. He just carries on throwing the ball. He sees us coming and he throws the ball and Archie beats his old dog, no problem. Right? The temptation I had, and to be honest, it was even flickering across my, my mind when I went out this morning is, if I see that guy and he starts, I'm going to give him a verbal lashing. I'm going to say, why on earth are you throwing a ball when you know my dog's going to run after it? Can't you just wait till you've gone past? Amongst other things. <laughs> and maybe make a few personal comments about his appearance or attitude. And the Lord really convicted me. That's not my way. You know? I've still not worked out what his way is over this one, but we'll get there. But we won't be having a fist fight with another guy over a couple of dogs, you know? Though my dog is special. <laughs> he's, he's a friend. So we get those temptations all the time to do it the world's way. And we have to say, no, that's all right. We do it God's way, and we'll see it work out. Verse 22 of Ephesians 4, just to reiterate what I just said, is we were taught, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So doing it God's way leads us to holiness. Now, interesting to watch. 
Put off the old man. That's our responsibility. All right? We can cling on to the old man the way the old man does things. And I don't mean like your dad. I mean the old person we were before we got saved. But then it says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. That's God's responsibility. Right? That's the Holy Spirit. That is God's grace enabling us to change our way of thinking. Because we've been entrenched in a certain way of thinking all our lives. We clear that out. We say, Lord, I'm going to make room for you. I'm going to surrender. Even though it's hard, I'm going to sort of try not to think that way. But then it's the grace of God, it's the power of God that enables us to think a new way. Yeah? It's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to give in to God, is to surrender to him, is to make ourselves available, is to say, I renounce that old way of life and allow the Lord to work in our minds. And you know that everything starts in the mind. So then it's back to our responsibility. And it says, uh, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So God's got his part, we've got our part. First of all, we clear the rubbish out the way. And sometimes, you know, it's a progression, isn't it? We can't do it all at once, otherwise we would be perfect. We do it by degrees. Often the Lord puts his finger on and says, that's got to go, you know. That's the next thing. Until we deal with what the Lord's saying, we won't make any more progress because that's the key to the next stage in our walk with the Lord. He then changes our mind. The Holy Spirit works upon us. And then it's our responsibility again to walk in that. But because we've had our minds changed, we want to do it in a new way. And it's about surrender. It's the topsy-turvy kingdom of God again. It's not making the effort. It's not striving. It's about letting go. It's about surrendering. It's about becoming holy through the process of being transformed by God. So it's both a command for action on our part and a God-given ability to do the stuff. Romans 6, verse 19 I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves, surrender, as slaves, no rights, to righteousness leading to holiness. You know, this holiness, it's to all of us, it's all through the scripture. That's how God wants us to be. He wants us to be like him. I'm going to give you a couple of keys in a minute and then I'll finish after we summarize. The key thing, why do we want to be holy? Why do we want to be holy? Do you want to walk around and say, I'm holy? Want to get a halo? Is that the way we want to be different? Our goal actually isn't to be holy. Our goal is to please God. When we aim to be holy, we're striving again. We're trying to be good. And at best, we might appear a bit goody two-shoes, a bit holier than thou, like I said before, because we're doing it in our own effort. And the hypocrisy of that kind of shines through. 
because Christianity, walking with the Lord, is meant to be by grace. It's about what God will do for us when we surrender to him. And it's a hard thing to do sometimes, especially if you're used to being someone who is got a bit of get, get up and go or who's used to doing practical things or even the pride of, no, I don't need any help. I don't even need your help, God. You know, I can attain whatever you want. You know, we might not say that out loud, but inside it is. But we have to humble ourselves sometimes. Yeah, so offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. And then Hebrews 2.11, very interesting in this one. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So the one who makes people holy is Jesus. It's through what he's done. And those who are made holy, that's us. So we're made holy. We're not people who can be holy of our own volition. Of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. That's just there. But the, the interesting bit is about the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy. We're the ones made holy, but it's because of what Jesus has done and Jesus does it for us. We just have to let him. We have to clear the rubbish out. I've got an example, you see. Uh, we, have, we have a bit of a laugh in our house. This is Archie again. I mean, Maisie is around as well. You know, she's always there. She stands on my chest in the morning, wants a tickle about half past five, <sighs> which is why I look like this. And, but Archie, Archie, Archie loves to have a little sleep all, all the time. He's not as kind of, he's not so frenetic as Maisie. So Archie, Archie, every morning I get out of bed, go for a shower. Sometimes before I've even got out of the bed, he's in my place. It just curls up, sits there. Last two mornings, particularly, I've been, I've been sitting on the bed, pulling my clothes on, and he's actually come behind me. I felt him shove me out of the way, and then he lay down where I was. <laughs> the other thing he does... On the warm bed, yeah. Well, I, you see, I thought it was warmth at first. But I, was, I had a lion in the week, and Han got up early, which once in a blue moon, you know. But she got up early, and she was out there, and Archie stayed exactly where he was. He never moved at all. And it would be equally as warm on her side of the bed as it is on mine. Oh, I'm a bit hot-blooded, you know. Anyway, um... Standard weird, that, didn't it? Um, and then the same thing on the sofa. Now, Archie has his end of the sofa, and I have my end of the sofa. This is the one he's allowed on. And if I'm sitting in his place, he'll sometimes just sort of sit on the floor and look at me until I move, and then he's straight up there. But also, if I'm there for any while, he'll jump up, and he'll sit on me, sit on my legs. He wants some sort of contact with me. It's always there when I'm there. Now, the thing is, I love that dog. You know, not like I love my wife. It's close, but not that, not that much. Right? He doesn't answer back. He's always there with me when I need him. He'll have a little cuddle, tickle tums. You know, it's great when he tickles me tum. He wants to be with me. He kind of wants to be like me. He wants my bit of the bed. And maybe I'm reading a bit into this, but. He wants, wants to be on the sofa with me. He wants the personal contact. That's what God wants with us. I know it's a silly example. He doesn't want us to be puppy dogs. 
But perhaps in relation to God, it's perhaps a bigger gap than there is between us and the dog. You know, he wants us to be where he is. He wants us to enjoy the contact with him. He wants us to be waiting for him sometimes. Because sometimes I get into bed and I walk in and Archie's asleep on my pillow. I try to stop him doing that. But, um, you know, sometimes I really want to be there. I want to be with you. Just before Christmas, I had the fright of my life. I turned over to speak to Han and there was Archie's head on my pillow. <laughs> that was scary. And I said, get off, down the bottom. I didn't notice him at all. And it can look a bit... I mean, he's only a little cockapoo, but he's, 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 he's completely black. And he's got these really dark eyes. And it was like something out, something like something out of The Godfather. <laughs> it wasn't just his head. The rest of him was there. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know who I've been walking for the last two weeks. Anyway, A.W. Tozer said this, No man should desire to be happy who is not at the same time holy. He should spend his efforts in seeking to know and do the will of God, leaving to Christ the matter of how happy he should be. He said, our best priority is to know God, is to be in the place where he is, to love him, to worship him, to say, what do you want me to do, Lord? Let me be obedient to you. And holiness follows. So that's, the, that's a, a big one. How, how do I be holy? Just love the Lord. Just be there. Be in the place where he wants you to be. And holiness will be there. And actually, we don't say whether we're holy. Other people will say something like that. They may not recognize holiness, but they'll recognize something of the Lord in you. And the Lord will say, that's holiness. That's what I desire. That's what I see. You're becoming more like Jesus. We need to take on the attributes of God. And the way to do that is to know his ways, is to immerse ourselves in the knowledge of him and in the experience of him, and then act accordingly. The two are not separate. If the Lord asks us to do something, if we find we're in a place where we need to do things, and we do a lot of stuff, I know for people who are poor or in unfortunate circumstances, those are things... Those are exactly the things that come from, and the consistency of it is the things that come from that inner, what do you want me to do, Lord? Is this the right thing? Is this something I can help with? But the willingness always, I want to do out of my faith. Not the other way around, of course. But faith should always lead to action. The kingdom of God is the place where God rules. We know this. So where God rules, that's where God's kingdom is. We know it's different. Its standards are different. It's different rules, different ways of thinking. First should be last. Last should be first. Not by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In Isaiah 55, kind of sums it up. Um, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, sorry, neither are your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If we want to live in the kingdom of God, if we want to be holy, then we have to live by the rules, if you like. We have to live by the, um, the standards and the ways 
which only the Lord can teach us and only the Lord can give us the grace to do. We can't do them in our own strength. And the grace to understand. But our job is to clear the way. So, summarize. Holiness is about being different in thoughts and actions from the rest of the world. Holiness is not something we try to achieve through our own efforts, but it is both in our new nature and is a command of God. We become holy effectively as a side effect or as a result of seeking to please God. That's our priority. Holiness follows on. J.C. Ryle said, Holiness is the habit of being one mind with God according, according as we find his mind described in Scripture. It is the habit of agreeing in God's judgment, hating what he hates, loving what he loves, and measuring everything in this world by the standard of his word. And Colossians 3.12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentle, gentleness, and patience. Holy and dearly loved. Isn't that great? Isn't that what God wants us to be? He does love us. He wants us to know him better. He wants us to be holy. So let's make 2018 a holy year. A year when we don't strive to be holy, but we just know we're being made holy by God because we put ourselves in the way of him, because we want to do things that please him, because we love him for what he's done for us. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Amen. <laughs>